All right, here we are live with the Football Outsiders live stream for Thursday, September 29th, 2022. Welcome to the Shots and Tanier Show. I am Aaron Schatz, editor-in-chief of footballoutsiders.com, joined as always by Mike Tanier, our uh, beloved staff writer, and joined today by Matt Lombardo, NFL reporter for heavy.com. And the three of us are going to preview week four in the NFL, highlighted by the big clash of MVP candidate quarterbacks, Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. But before we get to that, I just want to remind you that the Football Outsiders live streams are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Play Underdog Fantasy with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Even though NFL best ball season is over, Underdog has other user-friendly game formats to spice up all your Sundays. Try their Battle Royale, which is a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional DFS sites. Or try Pick'em Games, where you can wager on players' chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even if you live in a state where traditional prop betting is not currently available. Underdog is the fastest growing fantasy site around, and you can join at underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog in your favorite app store. And don't forget to use the promo code OUTSIDERS and double your first deposit up to $100. Matt, thank you for joining us. Aaron, Mike, really thrilled to be here. And, you know, I think that you look at week four. I think these are some of the best matchups overall that we've seen so far this season, both in terms of marquee quarterback matchups, even starting tonight, potentially with Tua against Burrow. You'll look at Trevor Lawrence and Jalen Hurts, arguably two top 10 quarterbacks. And of course, the matchup you mentioned at the top, Aaron, so a lot to get into. And I feel like we've already learned a lot through three weeks about this league. They're also, you know, we've talked about a little bit about sort of increased parity this year. We thought in the preseason, the way our projections came out, that this year was going to be kind of a year of parity, where the highest teams and the lowest teams were a little closer because of all the player movement in the offseason. And that's the way it's turned out. And you can see it in the lines this week, because there's only two games with a line more than five points this week. And most of the games this week are within a field goal which means not only do we have really good quarterback matchups, we have probably really good close games this week. Yeah, it's not so much a separation Sunday as a sorted out Sunday. I think it was like, oh, we're going to know, any, and that goes into tonight, we're going to know about these teams a little bit more. You mentioned the Eagles, Jaguars, we're going to go into that. We're going to know more about the Jaguars. We're going to sort out some of these teams hanging around 2-1, and 1-2. One, one and two. So let's let's talk about first about a team that I want to know more about, and that is the Miami Dolphins playing at Cincinnati tonight. Now, it's really interesting. Matt, I checked out your power rankings at heavy.com. You're a Dolphins believer. You've got Miami number two. Our numbers are not Dolphins believers. We only have Miami 11th after three weeks. And Vegas, Vegas definitely does not seem to be Dolphins believers because the Bengals at one and two are actually favored in this game by three and a half points. Although I think some of the injuries that Miami is dealing with, you know, all those guys are supposed to play, but Tua's got, you know, his back injury and Jalen Waddell is hurt. And like a couple of other guys, Teron Armstead is hurt. They're supposed to play, but are they going to be 100%? For sure. And I think, Aaron, one of the big reasons why I'm such a believer in the Miami Dolphins is they answered the bell on Sunday afternoon. That was the best team in football. And I still believe 
the Buffalo Bills are the best team in football, even after losing that game in the waning moments. That's why I still have them number one in my power rankings. But as for Miami, I just look at what they've built on offense, where you have a guy like Tyreek Hill making an instant impact. There was no ramp-up period for Tyreek Hill. Out of the shoot week one, he looked like the same speedy all-pro he was in Kansas City, now catching passes from Tua. Jalen Waddle is developing into a superstar. And I think that you saw on the other side of the ball against the Bills guys, that secondary really stepped up in a big way, especially in the second half. They fly to the football. There's an attitude that that defense plays with. And I think that their brand of football with just dominant defensive play on the back end, uh, a, a high impact, deep passing game with really instant chemistry between Tua and Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, I think that travels. I think that brand of football travels and it is now a legitimate two-team race, at least in my opinion, in the AFC East. I think the Bills are still better but I think that this is the opportunity tonight as underdogs for Miami to go on and say, okay, that was not a fluke in South Beach on Sunday. That was not our Super Bowl. We are for real. Uh, so I'm going to be really fascinated to see how that game plays out because I think the, the Bengals are starting to click. They're starting to fire on all cylinders. And I think this is really a test. And you talk about separation Sunday. I think this is truthful Thursday in the NFL. We're going to find out what the Dolphins are and what the Bengals are moving forward from here. Yeah, I mean, my counter about the Dolphins is just they gave up a lot of yardage to the Bills, and they, they clamped down in the red zone, but they had the drive that ended with the Bills unable to convert, I think, fourth and two at the goal line, right. and they had the drive that ended with a missed field goal. Mm -hmm. So they did have a little bit of not – I mean, stopping fourth and two is not luck. That's a really good play. But they did allow a lot of yardage that didn't result in points. But Xavier Howard is always really good. And Nick Needham has been really good in the first couple of weeks. What's shocking is that they have this rookie undrafted guy named Cater Kohu playing slot corner. Yeah, Noah Igbehenene has been such a bust that yeah. he couldn't win the slot corner job this year. And they went with this college free agent instead. So that's why, like, for example, I really like Tyler Boyd props in this game because if Needham plays as well as he did last week, and Xavier Howard stays Xavier Howard, Boyd is going to be the one Bengals receiver who's open. I love it. I'm trying to look up some of those props right now. Uh, I was excited. I took a Jamar Chase over 24.5 for longest reception. I was uh, looking at some of those longest reception props because they look pretty cool. But let's see. Receptions. Tyler Boyd. Over 3.5 just for receptions. Yeah, I love that because, I mean, that's definitely the weakness of the Miami secondary is the slot. And especially if Xavier Howard travels with Jamar Chase, somebody yeah. is going to eat in that offense, right? And I think that that's why, even though the offensive line looked abysmal in the loss to the Dallas Cowboys, even though they just couldn't get out of their own way in Pittsburgh, Joe Burrow with an uncharacteristic game, but from a sacks and turnover standpoint, right somebody in that receiving core is going to eat. And I think that whether it's Tyler Boyd or T Higgins, the fact that the Jaguars have so many weapons and because Joe Burrow is so cerebral, I, I think that what gives them a real chance tonight and maybe one of the reasons why Vegas is so optimistic, even against everything going on with the Dolphins and, you know, the Tua injury unknown uncertainty certainly is put up on a shelf when you're putting together the line. I, I think that Joe Burrow with so many weapons, if they can figure out to attack the middle of the field, 
attack the slot with Higgins and with Boyd, they're going to do okay because then you can pound the rock with Joe Mixon. You can really get that offensive line playing downhill and road grading a little bit that you haven't had the chance to really give them the potential to do early in the season. I think that's how, if the Bengals are going to win as favorites on Thursday night, that's how they're going to have to do it. Yeah, they're going to need Mixon to wake up because right now yeah. the Bengals are last in DVOA running on first downs. Like they are not getting a running game at all. He's getting hit. Are they not the trying? Backfield. He's getting hit in the backfield. Yeah, Johnson, I mean, a lot of that is the offensive line. It's not mixing. He's not line, breaking long ones either. Yeah, he's not breaking long ones. The design of the offense there, where it's kind of like the first down handoff. It's kind of like, here we go. It's the first down handoff. It doesn't look like their passing game at all. It's like, here's our waste pitch type of thing. So Mixon's got to wake up. The, the running game's got to wake up. Yeah. Also, it's too bad because, you know, we talked so much in the preseason about the improved offensive line, the improved offensive line. And we know that a lot of the sacks are Burrow's fault. And Burrow just holds on to the ball too long, trying to do too much. But that offensive line has not played well. They're 29th in ESPN's pass block win rate. And now here comes Miami, which led the league in defensive pressure rate last year. Like, they don't have a guy who's like the guy. Right. Right? There's no Tank Lawrence. There's no TJ Watt. But they scheme up pressure with blitzes and – um what's his name is 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 really uh underrated so underrated i'm forgetting his name right now <laughs> and i'm not sure who you're uh referring to right i was now. gonna say barkevious mingo but it's not him it's uh someone else who's gone back who's... and forth between defensive end and linebacker emmanuel ogba oh gosh and emmanuel ogba is very underrated and gets a lot of hurries and he's going to be hurrying burrow big time in this one and Ingram's been playing very well, Melvin. Ingram. Yes, Ingram yeah. is very. Ingram is still good. Yes, yes. And it's amazing what they're able to do, dropping into that front seven and and building it up over this offseason. In addition to what they did, adding weapons for around Tua, it, it just seems like you know. I just look at what they've done at the skill positions on offense and and boosting the front seven to complement that elite secondary. That's why I think that the Dolphins are for real, and it's just going to come down to Tua sustaining this. Um, and it's a big test. It's a big test going into the house of the reigning eight conference champions. I think, I think, I think some of subjectively, like I know what my numbers say. I think some of subjectively why I'm not fully a Dolphins believer is because their weakest game is the one that I watched, which was week one (laughs) where they beat the Patriots 20 to nine, but it was really like one big fourth down play and one big turnover for a touchdown. And otherwise like they were not hitting Hill and waddle for a bunch of deep stuff and so i'm like "Mm." but they've been much better than that in the two games at the same time they are number one by far in third and fourth and long dvoa on offense number one by considerable margin in fourth quarter uh dvoa mostly because of what they took care of in the ravens game those are those high volatility things where it's like yeah we're looking at you know fourth and nine the big play and third and 22 the big play those are phenomenal need more sustenance of that kind of offense throughout the game by the Dolphins. And I'll remind all the watchers uh, and listeners on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network, you can get all of these DVOA splits by down, by type of play, by quarter, against different types of receivers. That's all in the FO Plus database. Go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. That is my sales pitch for the week. Also, if you're watching this live, we'll take your comments in the comment thread. We'd love to hear from you about this week's game. So it, it's um, it's the Dolphins 
the Dolphins plus three and a half, like even though I've written this week about, oh, I think the Dolphins are overrated. I think the Dolphins are overrated. Like I would absolutely pick Dolphins plus three and a half if I'm picking with the spread in this game. Like they, the the Bengals also were kind of overrated going into the season because they had such a great playoff run last year and the offensive line is still a problem and Burroughs still takes sacks and these teams are pretty closely aligned, I think. Are you surprised? that the Bengals offensive line is still a problem because you bring in Karras, you bring in layout Collins, you, you fill two really significant holes. And, you know, you just look at the way that Burrow played down the stretch last season. You look at what he did in the postseason. If Aaron Donald doesn't break loose on that last play, the incompletion, Chase you might be open. talking overtime. You, yeah. you might be talking game winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised even with the additions guys, because you dive further into the data than I have access to. Yeah, like on one hand, there's no question offensive lines need continuity and continuity improves offensive lines. And it's hard just to start anew with new guys at every position. But Kappa too, when you add Alex Kappa also, like this was supposed to be an improvement. And the one lineman they kept was the one who was reasonable, which is Jonah Williams. And it's not just that Burrow takes sacks, like the offensive line has been a problem this year. I get the impression that Collins is not 100% healthy. That's one of my theories. I've read some things talking about how the snap counts remain predictable, and that scans with the idea that like guys are getting beat off the snap. Like the defenders are just w- winning off the snap because they know the snap count better than Collins and those guys do. It's all correctable. But, yeah, I remain stunned because every move they made, it was like, oh, yeah, that's the right move. That's the smart way to do it, Cincinnati, every time they got one of these linemen, and the results have not been there. Right. Like, cause for example, right. Offensive line is, is like a weak link system, right? It's better to have five average linemen than to have three great ones and two terrible ones. Cause whoever your terrible ones are, that's who the defense is going to attack. Don't so they didn't it. go out and sign one dude. Like they didn't just go out and sign Teron Armstead. Right. They went out and imp- improved at three positions. Cause they were like, all the weaknesses have to be fixed. And yet, ugh, yeah, and it's and Volmer, the kid who's the weak link, or Volson, I forget his name. That's not who they're going after. They're going after the tackles, and they're winning. Yeah. So I don't know. I like I said. I you know if I'm taking this game, I'm taking Dolphins plus three and a half. I don't know what you guys have, Mike. Do you have a favorite prop or bet on this game? Oh, I've always got a favorite prop for the Thursday night game, and it is usually a first quarter or first half prop, so that when it goes terribly wrong, I can bet something else. This week, we have a slow starting, last in offensive DVOA in the first quarter, Miami Dolphins team. They never have started quickly in any of their three games so far. I believe the Bengals are 23rd in DVOA in the first quarter. Also, slow starters get sacked a lot. Over-under for the first quarter is 9.5. I'm going under in the first quarter. And like I said, I took a longest uh, reception for uh, Jamar Chase. I believe it's at 24.5. Check underdog fantasy. And uh, see where that's at. I'm going over on that one. I like it. I, I think that if I were playing this game, I, I'd be tempted by the Bengals because as high as I am on on the Dolphins, and as much as I think that they're for real, you're asking a lot for a team that played what close to 100 defensive snaps in 101 degree weather yep. to hop on a plane against a division rival to hop on a plane four no, days good. later and, and go into a building. For, for a team that's starting to feel itself again and a fan base that I, I think, 
you know, feels some confidence building there with a quarterback who, at least in my opinion, is a top eight or so quarterback in the league. I believe in the Dolphins long term. I think they're the biggest threat if the Bills have a threat. But I think it's just asking a lot for them to go into that building under all of these circumstances yeah. and win. So I think I'm taking the Bengals tonight. I kind of feel that. The, the, the heat on Sunday turning around on the road on Thursday, that's a big deal. Interesting. Interesting. I, you know, it would be interesting to go back and look because Miami is supposed to be used to the heat. Like how much does that really affect them uh, in like the next game if they played a lot of snaps in the heat? Because it was bad. I mean, the Bills players were going off and Stephon Diggs was, couldn't play for a while. And it was, it was hot. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of Florida, I will point out that right before we went on the air, they announced that the Kansas City Buccaneers game, oh, we're going to get to that game, is being played in Tampa. It's not moving to Minnesota. So more heat. Um, speaking of Minnesota, let's do 9.30 a.m. Breakfast with the NFL from London. <laughs> breakfast with Taysom. Breakfast with Taysom Hill. Can we New have Taysom for breakfast? At New Orleans. Um, yeah, everyone on New Orleans seems to be hurt. Jameis Winston hasn't. Uh, practiced the last couple weeks and has absolutely been affected in his play. He's like not a hundred percent. Mike Thomas hasn't practiced this week. Like the saints are pretty banged up right now. Yeah, but they're running into a very interesting team. One of the more fascinating unknown Jekyll and, Di and Hyde teams that I've seen this year. Guys, you know, I write a big, you know, first and 10 takeaways column every Monday it's a behemoth, right? So you're writing on the fly as the games are going on. I, I had a full section fleshed out about this being the Detroit Lions arrival, that they go into hostile territory and they knock off the Vikings and Dan Campbell, the up-downs are working and the players are buying in and the culture is established. Have you seen a, a team like the Vikings who could look so great, so great in the opener in Green, uh, against Green Bay Go on a plane to Philadelphia and just look like they don't even belong on the same field and then come roaring back and make me rewrite everything about that contest. Mm -hmm. It right. just feels like, you know, they're one of these teams, that, another one that has to figure it out. And I think that Kirk Cousins has been holding them back for five years. He's holding them back now. Dalvin Cook is banged up. You have all of the injuries against New Orleans. It's in London. I mean, this has the makings, guys, of one of those just dreadful, you wake up early to watch it all yes. excited, you finish the first cup of coffee, and you look up, and it's the start of the fourth quarter, and the score is six to four. <laughs> it just feels like that's what's coming here. We always send our best games to the English, don't we? And you, and you talk about being held back by Kirk Cousins. Have you seen Jameis? Have you seen Jameis? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Except for... Right. Yeah, he's not right. He's not healthy. He's not playing. They're 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 not goofing around quite as much as uh, Bill Belichick is right now. With uh, oh, Mac Jones can play through a high ankle sprain. Trust me. But they're goofing around with Jameis. It's going to be the Andy Dalton slash Taysom Hill show for sure. Um, and and that is a team that is unbelievably weak through three quarters, and then they try to come on like gangbusters. So I, I have no. Well, I have no, well, I never have confidence in the Vikings. I have no confidence right now in this Saints team. And, Defensively, they're playing pretty well, but the Saints team has to do better than pretty well on defense to overcome their offense. 
I'd also suggest that the Vikings offense is probably better than we think they are. Because, for example, you know, usually third down is less consistent than first and second down. They're the number one offense right now on first down, mm-hmm. but they're 27th on third down. So when they get to third down, they're not having success. And that usually reverts a little bit over time. And they're 31st in third and long. I forget who's behind them. But 31st in third and long is the Kirk Cousins, wherever the sticks are. I'm throwing in front of those buggers. <laughs> that, and, and he has been true to form. I, I, I had Eagles game. I saw third and four. I'm like, I wonder if he can squeeze a two-yard pass in on third and four. And he did. I will say – uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Marshawn Lattimore against Justin Jefferson. I mean, that's oh, a really funny. good matchup. Yeah. This should be, I think this is the first time they faced each other. So um, like and that. And look on the other side, you have Chris Olave too, who's just playing really lights good. Out. Yeah. yeah. Didn't he win rookie of the month this week or something? Sure he did. should have. He, it is sure probably, they have 11 pass plays of 20 plus yards in the fourth quarters. So Jameis like does nothing for three quarters, and then it's twenty to sixty yard passes, all and interceptions, of course, because it's Jameis. Well, yeah. So the thing is, like Dalton's not going to be able to do that as well, right? Like Dalton might be healthier and more stable, but he's not doesn't have the arm strength that Jameis does to launch it to Olave downfield. Yeah, and then you don't have you have a banged up Landry, and then you have probably unavailable Michael Thomas. I do not see I do not see how they're moving the football this week. And I think they're going to have to because I, I don't I don't think that Kirk Cousins can be that bad consistently. I, I don't think that Jamar mm-hmm. Chase can be excuse me that, that Justin Jefferson can be held down like he was last week two weeks in a row. I think he's just too good. I think he's due for a bounce back game. That's what's frustrating about Kirk Cousins. He's never bad consistently. Like right. he always has a few good games, and then just when you're like, look, Kirk Cousins is having good games, then he does the bad thing. He waits for you to write the Kirk Cousins is unappreciated and unfairly criticized article, so he and can drop. And then he goes out and sucks. Yeah, absolutely, and that's it. And I've Sounds like your that... own personal nightmare, Mike. <laughs> well, you you were talking about that uh, that game, and that sticks with you for years because all of my Falcons hatred goes back to that Super Bowl. Yeah, because there was eighteen hundred words sitting there about the Super Bowl, and it's like, I'm oh, gonna... do I have stories? Oh my <laughs> heaven! You know, so it's that that will like five years from now, like. Screw this team! They're gonna they're they're gonna get beat in the last minute. I'm going to rewrite all this. It, it sticks with you. So uh, the line is Saints plus two and a half. Vikings, uh, Vikings, Vikings, Minnesota. You Minnesota. guys both like Minnesota? Yeah, I think I like Minnesota a little bit also. Um, yeah. The uh, the the picks formula for FO plus has this game pretty close to the line. Has it sort of as a don't 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 bet on this don't game? Touch. Yeah. yeah. Stay away. Danger I think zone. I like the Vikings. I think the, the Saints are just really hurt right now. And I like staying away from a morning game gambling too. Like, like, like oh, it is noon and I'm in a bad mood. That's not great. But yeah. I, I'm leaning Vikings. You, you may differ. Your, your mileage may vary. If you like this game, I, I would, I would recommend the Vikings. Yeah, I, right, I, I lean Minnesota too, just because of the weapons on offense, and and I think that it, I I just don't think that Justin Jefferson can play that poorly two weeks in a row. No, th- yeah, three weeks in a row, right? Three I mean, Jefferson's been sort of shut down for a couple of weeks, and it's not going to continue. Uh, let's talk about the big one because we're moving to one p.m. and the big one is Buffalo at Baltimore. It's you know these are the top two teams in our preseason projections, and they look awesome so far this year, even though. 
they've each lost to Miami close, but um, these two teams look really good. This is the most important game in our Super Bowl odds. If Buffalo wins, they go to the Super Bowl 39% of the time and 16% for Baltimore. Hmm. If Baltimore wins, both of them are at 27%. Hmm. Chaos. This is the most important game for moving the Super Bowl odds. And it should be, I mean, on one hand, right, we're thinking offense, offense, offense. These defenses, like, I know there's injuries on the Buffalo defense, but these defenses are better than, you know, they're not bad defenses. The Buffalo is a good defense, even with no Micah Hyde. And I think Jordan Poyer is going to be back this week. Right. I'm not up to date on the injury reports there, but I think they are getting some guys back. Guys on the defensive line, too, would help because I think that would. Yeah, Oliver. Ed Oliver missed last week, for example. Yeah. You need him against Lamar. And I think that you look at Lamar Jackson's evolution this year, guys. We all knew that he was one of the most electrifying players, if not the most electrifying weapon in the entire NFL. You look at some of the numbers, and it's just silly. He makes up something like 80% of the offensive output for the Baltimore Ravens combined rushing and passing yards. He leads the league in passer rating, which to me, to me, that that's the biggest sign of the Lamar Jackson evolution. And, you know, in my weekly column on heavy.com, one of the sections I wanted to touch on is how does this fast start impact his value and his contract with the Baltimore Ravens? And, you know, multiple agents told me that it doesn't change a thing. The Ravens know what he's worth. They know his value. But, you know, I spoke to somebody who told me that before the the season started, the value was X. It was X guaranteed dollars. But if he keeps this up and he keeps winning from the pocket and he leads them on a playoff run, well, now you're probably going to be talking about the potential of him being tagged two or three years in a row because the value is going to skyrocket and the Ravens have all of the leverage. I guess that's my long-winded way of saying that Lamar Jackson is off to this great start, is terrific for the Ravens, and I think it legitimizes their Super Bowl chances. But I don't know that it necessarily helps Lamar if he's trying to inch closer to that Deshaun Watson level because the Ravens hold all the cards. Yep. Yep. So I've I've been telling Ravens fans, Enjoy the Lamar season and don't think about the money. Okay. Because yeah. the least he will get is a franchise tag for whatever it'll be next year, like, like $42 million or something. And there will be something on the table that's also pretty good. But if he says, uh, I just I need Deshaun's contract or Deshaun's contract plus 5% or bust, that's his decision. Right. Enjoy the season, you know? And from what I understand, so much of this negotiation and the disagreement is not about the money level. Nope. It's about the guarantee. The guarantee. Yes. Five years of guarantees. And yes. It's and not I was like told Baltimore before the season the offer was three years fully guaranteed. Yeah. Right. It's not like Baltimore didn't think he was really good before the season started. Like they know how good he is. This hasn't changed their mind about how good he is. Right. They don't want to give the long guarantee. They just don't want to give the long guarantee. And how well he plays doesn't change the fact that they're not giving him six or seven years guaranteed. It's the dramatic overlay of the contract. And, you know, Matt gets it and I get it. It's like, yeah, he's awesome. He's awesome. He's awesome. And the money, you have to add that thing. Cause talking about how awesome he is. Yeah, that's great. That's fine. Let, let's put this extra spice onto it about the contract, but they are not, they're two separate things right now. And, and by the way, Steven Ruiz in the, the ringer, the ringer. Yeah. Has a really nice article about how this dream season of Lamar, as great as it is, is also kind of pointing to some of the holes in the Ravens offense right now. 
that their running game is not necessarily getting the job done, that the injuries in the offensive line is, are still a problem. They've gotten better at wide receiver, but they're still unbelievably reliant on everything that Lamar Jackson does. And I, I think that's a little different for the Buffalo Bills in that you know you've got a franchise-level guy in Stephon Diggs. You've got a stronger offensive line when they're not all cramping up. And, uh, you know, you've got more balance on offense. It's funny. Yeah. I spoke to a scout right around halftime in that game on Sunday, and it didn't look, it looked like the Bills were in much danger at that point of the game. I was like, what do you make of this? Like, how good? Uh, another nugget from the column that got scrapped. Uh, you know, how good are, is this Buffalo offense? And the scout said, they come at you with in waves. They have depth at all of the skill positions, weapons all over the place. And Josh Allen is a cyborg. He said, good luck slowing that guy down. Well, yeah. sure enough, that gets on the cutting room floor because in the they second lost. half, Tua does his thing. The right. Dolphins secondary does its thing. But mm -hmm. I don't think that changes any way that we should fundamentally be thinking about the Bills. The weapons are still there. Josh yeah. Allen is still Josh Allen. And if they go down, if that if they get tackled a yard and a half shorter and they can spike the ball with even a second left, maybe we're talking about them as still being undefeated today. So, you know, I, I just look at this Bills, the Bills team, and I think that they are on a mission. They have all the pieces, they have all the weapons, and they're going to be really tough to stop. The one thing that's struggling for them a little bit is the offensive line right now. I mean, it's only three games, and I think the offensive line is better than this, but the ESPN blocking metrics, they're 25th pass blocking and dead last run blocking, and they're also last in adjusted line yards, uh, which is one of our stats. So the offensive line definitely needs to do a better job. Not cramping up would help. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a big chunk of it. Like, like what? 20% of the uh, information in there is like the second half of that game when Dawkins and other guys come in and right. out with cramps. I also, by the way, I'm checking the weather forecast because the uh, the Bills don't like weather, if <laughs> you've noticed lately. And <laughs> it's light rain. I don't know if light rain counts as wind or heat as like the kryptonite of the bill, of the Bills, but uh, I, th I think we're okay. Over under, I might be worried about, but I don't think that that's a, a factor in terms of the spread. I'll point out also an interesting stat I found. Buffalo, through three games, is our number one defense against tight ends. <gasps> Matt Milano. Wow. Right? Matt Milano is good in pass coverage. He is. Um, you know, maybe they slow Mark Andrews down a little bit, take away Lamar Jackson's favorite weapon a little bit. It's is like Baltimore good enough on the perimeter for this to be sustainable? Because, you know, I look at Lamar, and he's always going to be a threat to run. And Mark Andrews... As long as he's in that system, he's in an all-pro conversation, at least in my opinion, the way they started this year. But I, I don't know that they're good enough on the perimeter to, to win when they have to win downfield, if, if that makes sense. Well, that's the thing coming into this season was Baltimore was like, believe us, our receivers are good. We know you don't believe us, but you should believe us. Our receivers <laughs> are good. And we were all like, well, okay, Rashad Bateman, but what else do you have? But Duvernay's been all right, but Bateman's not going to live on whatever 80-yard catches all year. Like, they need to definitely see more more consistent mid-range catches on the outside from those receivers. Yeah, Bateman is really good off the release, and that has helped. Duvernay gives him the deep threat. Demarcus Robinson has been has had a couple of moments in there. He's kind of in the Sammy Watkins role. He'll get hurt, and you'll forget about him. But until then, he's doing it. But I think it's gone from, like, a super, super weakness to closer to league average and that if they can get the running game clicking again like the 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 uh the traditional running game not the lamar running game 
then they've got enough different – they can hit different quadrants of the field enough, I think, that it can be Super Bowl caliber offense. Yeah. So um, the game is Ravens plus three right now. In That's Baltimore. Good number. That's a really good number. That's a really good number. I, I, I'd be tempted to take the Ravens to cover because I think that Lamar is good enough to do enough on offense to keep up with them. I don't know that you're stopping the Ravens, but I think he can do enough to – the Bills, rather. But I think he's good enough to keep up with Buffalo. It's also – everything you said about Miami, I know this isn't a short week, but Buffalo played whatever, how many plays yeah. in the hot weather. Yes. And now they have to go on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Physical I do wonder team. a little bit. Like, my first instinct in this game was, okay, I'm a real believer in Buffalo. I do believe they're the best team in the league. I would take Buffalo. But then I thought about it a little bit more, and I was like, it is in Baltimore, and you get three points. I think I would take Ravens plus three. Yeah. I'm thinking in terms of if I could get that line to about three and a half or four, tease it with the under. Under's way up at, Over-under's way up at 51 against a weather game. Yes. Uh, I'm not, I'm trying to do, it was trying to do the stats. I'm going to stop because it would be like bad podcast to spend five minutes getting there. But if you get me to like three and a half or four, I'm definitely looking at the, at the Ravens there as, as it is. It's right on the line of what I like. Yeah. Our over under system does like the under in this game. 51 is really high. And like I said, the, these defenses I think are better than people give them credit for, especially Buffalo's, even with the injuries. Uh, you had a prop you liked. Did I? I? Let me look up uh, my notes real quick. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, there was a good one. Josh here. Allen and Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson combined 500 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, and one rushing or receiving touchdown. So it's five combined, 500, 100, and a rushing or receiving touchdown at plus 190. If that was plus 300, plus 400, I'd be like, woo, I'd be jumping all over it. Plus 190, I'm 50-50, but I think I'm going to take that to enjoy rooting for the chaos of those guys running around. Yes, there'd be a lot of – the question is more like, does Jackson get up to 250 passing yards? That's the question. But And I don't know if this – again, the rain is a factor here. If you look at that, that could keep everybody's uh, yardage down. But, again, it could be 300 and 200. You know, it could be 275, 225. 500 is not a big number to hit for those two receivers, for those two quarterbacks. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about the other big 1 p.m. game, and that's Jacksonville at Philadelphia. Jacksonville, super hot, man. Like number two in DVOA this year, two huge wins. And now it's the Doug Peterson reunion special. Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts. Who are we looking at? Uh, uh, Darius Slay. Darius Slay. Yeah, we got a bunch of guys here. We got is that Jalen Hurts. Hurts. That's a very yeah. odd picture. Hurts doesn't look like him. We Philadelphia, got... a team that fits on a cup against yes. the Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars. <laughs> In Philadelphia, I mean, you know, I mean, this would be a statement for Jacksonville to to win this game. That to go on the road in Philadelphia and give them the first loss, that would be a statement. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be a statement. I'm all in on the Jaguars, uh, guys. I think they're legit. I think they're for real. I think they're the team to beat in the AFC South, maybe even the most complete team in that division. Mm-hmm. I think that Trevor Lawrence, you look, he's sixth in passer rating going into this week. Uh, I, I think he's now put himself in the conversation as a legitimate top 10 quarterback in the NFL. 
Um, I think their their defensive line is playing some of the best defensive line in football. The problem is, now here's the problem. Mm-hmm. The Eagles front seven might be the most dominant front seven in football. And their mm-hmm. offensive line is the best offensive line in the NFL, protecting a quarterback who's top five or top 10 in his own right right now with maybe a top three collection of skill position players in the league. So as much as I think the Jaguars are for real and legit, I think that this is just as much a flying under the radar statement for the Eagles Mm. because you talk to people around the league and people who are fans of other teams even, and there's not a belief in in Philadelphia. There's not really that belief in Jalen Hurts when I think that that's wrong. I mean, you talk to some, you talk to a coordinator this week and an, uh, a quarterback coach who told me right now Jalen Hurts is the top 10 quarterback in the NFL based on how he's playing. But I don't think that's the universal sentiment surrounding him. You beat this Jaguars team. And I think that that's when you can start legitimately having the put the Eagles in the Super Bowl conversation because I think the Jaguars are that talented but flying under the radar. And I think the Eagles are playing complementary football in a way it's going to make them very, very tough to beat. And if they blow them out, I think that that's when the hype train is really going to leave the stage. It's hard to remember what most people feel about the Eagles on this show, because I'm the driver of the Eagles bandwagon and Mike is an Eagles fan. So we've been like Eagles, like for weeks now, we've been like, Oh, Eagles. Like I picked the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl because of their easy schedule. And I said they were, you know, I thought they were so improved on both sides of the ball. You're right. I'm like, Oh, the Eagles are three and out. Like this is what I expected. But I think you're right. Like for most people, there's not that expectation. The Eagles being three and Oh, is like Miami being three and Oh, like how did that happen? Are they for real? Like, let's see a game that shows they're for real. And yeah, stomping a Jacksonville team that just stomped the Chargers and the Colts would definitely be a big signal that to the people who aren't necessarily on the bandwagon with me, that the Eagles are much improved on both sides of the ball. And the big question going into this year, I think, was, okay, they added A.J. Brown. They added all these defensive pieces. Will Hurts be better? Right. And so far, the answer is yes, Hurts is better. I think Derek Klassen, uh, who you can see on Fridays and he, you can see on the site uh, at various articles, said something on Twitter to the effect that Hertz has been getting a little bit better every year for like six years. Like yeah. going back to Oklahoma to the Alabama to the rookie season, like he keeps having a small marginal improvement. And kind of what I see here is a small marginal improvement from last year. It's like, okay, the middle of the field is a little more open to him than it was. It's certainly not like superior, but that's being mixed in with the sideline game, the rollout game, the scramble game, et cetera, et cetera. And if you keep making little improvements for multiple years, you get to the point where, okay, you're a top 10 quarterback playing for this team that is stacked at so many other positions. Yeah, Mike, I think you're right there. And I think that's what's powering this renaissance for Jalen Hurts. You know, I I spoke to Jim Nagy last week and he told me that, you know, Jalen Hurts arrived in Mobile in 2019 and had a pretty good week, threw the ball pretty well, you know, yeah, yeah. just wasn't Justin Herbert. Um, and then the follow, a couple of weeks later, Nagy gets on a plane to watch uh, Jalen Hurts throw in Indy at the Combine, and he threw a little bit better there. Mm-hmm. And then you look at what's happening this year, and he's just more patient from the pocket. His accuracy is better. You mentioned, you know, taking advantage of the of the middle of the field, which I think they're doing, especially with Dallas Goddard and working in Quez Watkins on yep. the seam. But I think what's what I've really noticed is the presence of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith's catch radius. He's gotten a lot better fitting the ball into tight throwing windows, too. And you look at the touchdown last week in the back of the end zone to Devontae Smith. 
That was a grown man's throw. Same <laughs> as the same as the throw down the sideline. An elite catch right up there with George Pickens on the Thursday night game last week. But it was a grown man's throw. And you start stringing together these throws behind the best offensive line with the top five receiving core. I had an executive tell me preseason, guys, you don't need to be a top five quarterback. If you're a top 15 quarterback with what the Eagles have, you're mm-hmm. going to go really far. And right. I think Jalen Hurts is developing before our eyes into that top 10 or so quarterback in the league. And, and if it's sustainable, the Eagles are going to be tough to beat. And I know that Howie Roseman would significantly prefer to cut a big check and a long-term deal <laughs> to Jalen Hurts. They're, yes. they're dying to do it from people that I talked to in that building then have to go quarterback shopping with those two first round picks. And that's where you have those two picks to build around Hertz. They're, they're walking into a window here in a conference that's not really top heavy. And, and, and with um, how good Lawrence is playing, right? The quarterback play has been really good for both teams, but the, yeah. the distinct difference between these teams is the Eagles are much better on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And they've got that number one corner that Jacksonville doesn't have. Right. Secondary right? is not- there's no Darius Slay for the Jaguars. Yeah, secondary is not as strong in Jacksonville. Uh, their offensive line has been playing pretty well overall. Their offense does look just very fundamentally sound. And it's just, and, and as impressive as the two convincing wins are, questions about how good the Colts are. Chargers were in the process of falling off the cliff injury-wise as that game went on. There were two early turnovers from a very banged-up Justin Herbert. So Jaguars convincing victory, but there might be a little helium in the impression that it leaves when – it was like I guess it was like thirteen nothing by late in the first quarter because of turnovers. Yes. Yeah, the turnovers were they they had a lead. They could play that game with a lead. And yes. the Chargers then the Chargers were like, we're trying to come back now without Bosa, and we're trying to come back without Keenan Allen, and we're trying and Slater. to come back with Sean Slater, right? With Storm Norton going backwards like this on every snap. The so. most snake bitten franchise in professional sports. The yeah. Chargers was the oh, year God. you spent the money to plug all of the holes. You have you know. The, the straight out of central casting Hollywood quarterback and you and lose every, Bosa and you lose Slater and your secondary underperforms. Everybody's hurt. Like Derwin gets hurt. Like the final girl. He's like Jamie Lee Curtis right now. Like, when's it going to come get me? Everyone gets hurt. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Eagles minus six and a half is the line in this game. And the FO picks are like very, very close to the line. Yep. And it was I want to hear those picks before I make my pick. No, it's- the FO pick is the Eagles, but only like very slightly. Like the projected line is 6.7. <laughs> so it's a good number. I see where Vegas gets their lines from. They, they, they subscribe. They get their lines from. Uh, There's a little bit of You guys that. are doing God's work out here. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I think you have to go Eagles here only because I think that they're deeper. And I wrote about this preseason after visiting their training camp. It feels like for all the talk about the weapons on offense and Jalen Hurts, it feels like Jonathan Gannon has the players to run his system now. And you saw that amoeba front last week do its thing against Washington. You saw James Bradbury step up. Where are you throwing on this team? Like, where's the weakness in the secondary? You know, they have pass rushers. They can just rotate all game long. I, I just I just get this sense that the Eagles defense is going to make a statement again against Trevor Lawrence. And again, I, I'm really all in on Jacksonville. I'm excited about them. I, I think the Eagles put on a show against the Jaguars at home and announced their presence to the league. So give me Philly. Right. Yeah. 
I'll lean Philly, but I'm not actually playing this game because it is right on the number. Yeah, I lean Philly too. I think that the pass rush is really going to get to Lawrence. I think Lawrence does a great job of managing the pocket, but this is a really good pass rush that he's playing. I mean, considering Bosa went out early in that game last week, this is the best pass rush he's played. So, you know, that's, that's going to be tough. Uh, let's talk a little bit about three more games, starting with 4 o'clock, the biggest 4 o'clock game, Denver at Las Vegas. And my God, does um, Vegas not believe in Denver? Like, we're, Vegas believes in Vegas. Like, Denver is, <laughs> Vegas is favored by two and a half points in this game. Like, I realize that the Russell Wilson offense has had some problems, but mostly it's just been red zone. Like, yes. the first couple games, especially week two, they were moving the ball fine until they got to the red zone, and their defense has been very good this year, much better than I expected. And you know who else has been having trouble on offense? The 0-3 Las Vegas Raiders, who can't figure out how to get the ball to Devontae Adams, who Hunter Renfro keeps fumbling, and they're just not really accomplishing anything that they set out to do offensively. And Denver has Patrick Sertain to put on Devontae Adams in this game. You know, guys, I I wrote about this um, on Wednesday. I don't know that there's a bigger disappointment so far this year than the AFC West. Yeah. You know, yeah. How, how many of us were talking about three playoff teams and, you know, yes. the, the, the gap has closed to the to the Chiefs and everybody else. They're five and eight. They have an 0 and three team in that division that has I, if you if you, you know, injected sodium pentothal into my veins right now and said, tell me the identity of the Denver Broncos and tell me the identity of the <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't know what either one of these teams are or what they're trying to do. It's, it's defense on for the Broncos. I didn't think it was going to be before the season because their defense yeah. was a statistical mirage last year, but they've completely stepped it up. The identity of the Broncos is defense. Their defense is playing really well. Is it though, or is it because they play Jimmy Garoppolo who has no spatial awareness inside the, the five-yard line? <laughs> right? I, mean, I mean, I'm not trying to be, you know, fluky about this. I, I just, I watch, I watch that game and I'm not overwhelmed by any one aspect of the Denver Broncos. I see the Raiders. I have a three TV screen set up here in the office. I see them on red zone and it just seems like they're just, Nothing's clicking for them on offense, and Collins was clicking. Who saw that? Coming? Sure, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's he's really seized the slot receiver role. Good for Mac Collins. He's a great player. He broke out last week, but you're supposed to have Max Crosby and Khalil Mack racing to the quarterback. It, it, they haven't got out of the starting blocks. It just, you know, I, I'm very stunned by what we're seeing play out in that division. I know it's early, and somebody's got to separate. But it just seems like all four of those teams have real issues. And I just can't get worked up and excited about an 0-3 Raiders against whatever the Broncos are as a team right now. You know? I'm just picturing last Sunday night's game and Mac Collins watching it and watching all those punts get pinned in the two-yard line. I'm like, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. No <laughs> one gets more psyched up to pin a, the team at the two-yard line than Mac Collins. Uh, but now he's a receiver, too. It, it, is, it is remarkable. But, yeah, this is the battle of the teams that have to figure their offenses out right. right now. And I will say about the Broncos, everything you say about the Broncos, like I'm not sure what their identity is. It's defense, but I don't know necessarily if the defense is like, well, you know, there was opponents and things like that. You can almost say the same thing about the Buccaneers and the Packers. Yeah. 
Hall of Fame quarterback and the offense is not clicking in any way. And there were some injuries impacting the receiving core, but the defense is stepping up. It looks weirder because we all pictured Russell Wilson on the Broncos with those receivers and that line, like, and those backs, like that should be dynamic. I still think that's going to figure itself out. It just, it seems, it looks like it has to. I will say, you said this game is meh. This is the best four o'clock game. The other two are Carolina, Arizona, and Brian Hoyer against the Packers. By the way, should I introduce my play of the week? Please Bring us your play of the week because it is four o'clock game related. That's true. Four o'clock game of the week. I am, by the way, broken even so far. If you're keeping track, I'm at zero, zero, zero. I've got one big win with a plus 200 and a couple of losses. Play of the week, you know I cannot resist a backup quarterback making his first start of the season and all the delicious points you get along the way. That's right, folks. In Belichick, we trust. In Brian Hoyer, we somehow trust. I picked up right away the Patriots. Right now, they're plus nine. I got them at plus nine and a half against the Green Bay Packers. So I'm hoping for a running game, hoping for a defensive win, and I'm hoping for a good game plan for Matt Patricia I'm, I'm confident, guys. I'm confident. That's my play of the week. Patriots plus nine and a half. I will say this is the first start for a backup quarterback, but it's not like this is a backup quarterback that nobody has film on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ryan but, but, Hoyer has been around for a defense. long time. If Mike's in Mike's defense here, if Tom Brady doesn't go brain dead last week. <laughs> The Packers get upset, right? And then they're they're a one and two team with all kinds of questions going into to this game against New England. So I'm not gonna play it, but but I respect the the I respect the go for it nature there. I I, I respect it. People know who Cooper rushes. People know who Cooper rushes too. Cooper Rush got me a win a couple of weeks ago. It's going to happen. It's going to be a twenty to twelve Packers victory. I'm covering and I'm going to the bank with it. Packers are last in run defense DVOA so far. Patriots are number one in run offense. Yep. Good fun. So, yeah. The the uh, the Bears the Bears could move the ball against them on the ground. Yeah. So you better believe all they need is a good g- g- game plan <laughs> and the Patriots are money. All right. Let's talk about two more. Let's talk about the night games this week. We'll start with the team that uh, lost to Green Bay last week. So Kansas City at Tampa Bay. As I said earlier, this game will be played in Tampa. They are not moving it to Minnesota. I guess they feel like the hurricane will be over and they won't be taking any of the um, you know, public uh, resources for, for right. the game. Right. So, uh, yeah, uh, Kansas City is favored by one and a half. Tampa Bay, I still don't know which receivers are playing, except we know Mike Evans is playing. Yes. And Kansas City so far this year is 29th against wide receiver one. So maybe this is a big Mike Evans game since Gage is hurt and Godwin is still hurt and Julio Jones is hurt and Brashad Perriman is hurt. Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. And there, there's some injuries in the Chiefs secondary at, uh, as well, which leans towards a good game by Mike Evans. I'm trying to see if there's any props up. There are no, not props up yet at this time, but it's definitely something to look at. It makes sense with the who, nobody knowing which receivers are actually playing for Tampa Bay that they're staying away from props on that one. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, Tampa Bay is another one of these teams where I know they're banged up, and I know that that plays significantly into it. 
but they don't look unbeatable. And, and, you know, it, if father time were ever going to catch up with Tom Brady, this would be the time. And, right. and I think we're starting to see maybe, I don't want to say chinks in the armor, but maybe scratches on the armor based on how that game ended last week. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be a really pissed off Kansas city chiefs team coming in there because they were completely out of sync last week. You had a week of whether it's manufactured drama or real drama around the Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes end of half fiasco. It just feels like Andy Reid always seems to have something up his sleeve in primetime games. And Patrick Mahomes coming off that really un-Patrick Mahomes-like performance was the first time he ever lost when he was blitzed more than 12 times. It just really feels like this is a game where the Chiefs are going to remind people, hey, you know, we're still here. You know, yeah. we're still loaded. And I don't know that the Bucks right now are healthy enough to keep pace with a Chiefs team that might be firing on all cylinders. And and one one game is not enough for me to think that it's suddenly good to blitz Mahomes. And we know that Todd Bowles likes to blitz, and they're going to blitz Mahomes. And he's probably yeah. going to beat it. He's probably going to beat it because it's not the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. That line is better, despite what some of the defenders for the Buccaneers might be saying. Yes. It's better. I, I'm Joe Tooney, and uh, I respect <laughs> this message. Thank you. <laughs> That's great. And you're right. Out of sync, pissed off, ticked off Chiefs team with their kicker back, which means we weren't going to see as much of that tomfoolery that we saw with the fake field goals and the missed extra points. And there was a muff punt in there, too, which is weird. I mean, they did not play well overall against the Colts by any circumstances. Get Sky Jones off of specials. Get him (laughs) off of returning. I'm done with it. The Muffins letting the ball bounce over his head that gets down to the one-yard line. I don't care who you put in there. Put somebody else back there. Miko's hurt. Is it Isaiah Pacheco time? It could be Isaiah Pacheco time. Oh. Oh. Pacheco time. Um. Look, in the long run, Dave Taub is still the special teams coordinator. In the long run, the Kansas City Chiefs special teams are going to be fine. There are not going to be a lot of fiasco games like last week. It just doesn't happen. Um, I like I like Kansas City in this one, too, I think. I just feel like there's too many injuries in Tampa Bay to favor them in this game, even though they are the home team. Some bad juju surrounding that team, too. You know, everything that happened in New Orleans and kind of how that whole incident with Lattimore and Evans was viewed, and then how that ended down the stretch last week. It, it just seems like the not, not necessarily that the aura is gone from Tom Brady's Buccaneers, but but something just seems off with them. And, and it I don't think a little bit like is, the 2019 Patriots. Yeah. And, and it, yeah. I just don't think that a game against Mahomes with something to prove is the time that you're going to get right. Yeah. This is the something's a little off ball between both teams. I'm not, yes. I'm not, I would lean Chiefs. I am not playing it. Yeah. I, I lean Chiefs too. Yeah. Um, let's finish with Monday with the LA Rams at San Francisco. This is the most important game of the week for playoff odds leverage because it's an important division game between two playoff teams that are trying to make the playoffs. The Rams make the playoffs 82% of the time when they win, but only 56% when they lose. And the 49ers make it 63% of the time when they win and 33% when they lose. And I think the most interesting thing here is the Rams cornerbacks have been sliced and diced so far this year. Like Jalen Ramsey has been bad. 
Like that can't continue, right? Like there's no way that that continues. <laughs> you, you know, he, he there's a little bit of a high variance to his game, no matter what, because he'll give up some of the big plays along the way. We saw some of that in the Super Bowl there. But you're right. I don't think it continues. I don't know how much of that is also a statistical aberration from the weirdness of the Cardinals game uh, last week, where, you know, they kind of looked like they had control over it, then they didn't have control of it, et cetera. But when, if you're talking about if something's a little off ball, there's something a little off with the Rams as well at this point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And here's the other problem with the Rams. I mean, as much as we're going to talk about Jalen Ramsey and the, the defense, they can't rely on Cooper Cup to do this through 17 yeah. games. I mean, he's on pace for like 168 catches or something outrageous like that. All, all it's going to take is one hospital ball from Matthew Stafford, which we know that he's capable of, right? We're capable of leading a guy too far over the middle. And and that could be a wrap on their offense. It, it just seems like, you know, you want to talk about something missing with Tampa Bay and with Kansas City. I think the Rams are missing an OBJ. I think that they're missing their spark. I think they're missing that deep threat, big play ability. They might have thought they were getting it with Allen Robinson. But I, I, people inside the league were, were really kind of skeptical, even with Matthew Stafford, that Robinson was going to make much of an impact. And I think we're starting to see that come to fruition through the first quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about a team whose identity should be defense? I think it's the Rams, even though they have some nice pieces on offense. It just seems like they're they're a hair off from what they were. And I think that they're too one-dimensional funneling too much of their offense through Cooper Cup for this to be sustainable for the long haul. Yeah. Um, you know who's more than a hair off, though? The San Francisco 49ers with Garoppolo. That's, well, that's, you know, I don't take one bad Garoppolo game to mean he's going to play like that all year. I mean, I think that in the long run, he's going to be Garoppolo, which is that he runs this offense well. And, you know, when it's time for him to peek out, you realize where the limitations are. But they were a top 10 offense last year with him running the show. I think that they can be again with him running the show. He's not going to play like last week a lot. He's just, he can't win games on his own, right? He's a win with guy, not a win because of guy. But how long will it take for everyone to get back into sync when he had no off season with oh, them whatsoever? True. And when they were trying to move on to some different concepts and things like that with Lance. So yeah, if, okay, if by week six or seven, Garoppolo is back to being regular. Right, Garoppolo. they might be two and four. And, and, I, and I, yeah. I think that's going to coincide with their offense kind of, refinding their identity when Elijah Mitchell gets back, if he gets back. Um, because I, I think that even when Garoppolo was at his best, I mean, we, we all were at that Super Bowl in Miami covering that game. It was evident, especially late second quarter, certainly second half, that Kyle Shanahan didn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo and that mm-hmm. they wanted to salt out that game by running the football. And, and they messed around and they messed around and Kansas City came back and beat them and all that. But I think their identity has always been built around a dominant multifaceted running game mm-hmm. and, and i think you you almost just have one area of that running game with debo samuel you're missing the consistent ground and pound churning clock controlling the line of scrimmage aspect that someone like mitchell gives you in the backfield and, and i think jimmy garoppolo stabilizes their offense overall but i think until they can get back to what their winning formula is it's going to be a struggle for them so i think you're right mike i think it's a six seven week process and then you're going to look up and say, okay, all the pieces are there. They're running the ball well. They're playing downhill. The NFC West stinks. And the <laughs> Niners are going to be right in the mix. 
one interesting stat split I will point out. The 49ers defense is number one this year against short passes, but 27th against deep passes. And last year, their split was similar. Last year, it was something like third and 30th. But Stafford has actually been terrible on deep passes this year, four of 15 with two picks. And you remember something's got to give between those two. Either Stafford's got to complete deep passes or the 49ers defense has to actually have a good game against them. Need that OBJ, and that OBJ is not They, need, they do, because Van, Van Jefferson is not OBJ, but Van Jefferson was always good for one deep shot a game, right. and he's gone. He's Van not running out, out of that tunnel. OBJ is not running out of that tunnel. This week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Rob's Allen smart. Robinson is like a red zone guy, but he's never even when even when people who were even people who thought, oh, Allen Robinson last year. You know, that was just because he was in Chicago and he was sick and tired of it. And like, he'll get his mojo back now that he's with the Rams. It was never that he was going to be a deep guy. Like, that's just not his game. No, that's not it at all. And you remember the season opener for the Rams and like Stafford couldn't get it deep. He was under pressure. The 49ers can rush the passer. Oh, yeah. And that Rams, I don't think that Rams offensive line has solved its problems in any way in the last couple of weeks. They have the healthy Bosa. They have the, yes. They have the healthy yeah. Bosa. They've got a healthy Armstead, I believe. I think he didn't play last week, but I think he is playing this week. Okay, but the, they can get after they can get after the quarterback. Yeah. So the the Forty ers are actually favored by one and a half. <laughs> yeah, I, think I kind of like it. You like it? I kind of like it. I'm I'm just not. The Rams. I I'm just not a believer in the Rams right now. I some something just isn't right with that team, and you know, well, lightning in a bottle for uh, for San Francisco. I, I call call it a hunch, call it you know not believing in the reigning champs. I, I think that this could be uh, an upset alert moment for for the Rams and Sean McVay. Like Kyle Shanahan, I don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> so I'm going to take the Rams. Yeah, that. I'm going Rams too. <laughs> I just think the Rams defense has to play better than they've played so far. Yeah. All right, that does it for the big Thursday preview show. Thank you so much, Matt Lombardo from heavy.com. Check out heavy.com for Matt's NFL writing, power rankings, big Monday column, all of his talking to folks inside the league. He talks to actual league insiders, unlike us. And uh, Mike, thank you again for joining us for a Thursday. Thank you to everybody watching live. Thank you to everybody listening on the Football Outsiders Podcast Network. Uh, as always, do not forget to like, subscribe to the show, and tell your friends all about our shows. We are on every weekday, 1 p.m. Eastern. So until then, everybody enjoy Cincinnati and Miami tonight and enjoy your weekends. Visit us on the Discord tonight. Oh, yeah. Live on the Discord. Come to footballoutsiders.com for a Discord link or below. Look for the Discord link below us on YouTube. And we talk live. We have good conversation during the show. Come join us Thursday nights. Come join us Sundays. Come join us Monday nights. Sundays starting at 9.30 a.m. The Jameis Winston Broken Back Show. It's going to be very exciting. Or the Red Rifle, one or the other. Or Taysom Hill, please. No, 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 Taysom Hill. All right, guys. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you. Mike will be back with the Monday show at 1 o'clock. I'll be back with the Tuesday show at 1 o'clock, and we'll see you then.